0: Yay. That was a mildly better clap than before. Mildly better clapping. <laughs> <laughs> Look at me, clapping, yeah. I want some clapping, clapping and stuff.
1: <laughs> We're singing a clapping song. Clapping, running around. Doing <laughs> still. <laughs> <laughs> are,
0: we, are we scatting again? How did we get here?
1: it <laughs> We're running and scatting. <laughs> scatting, doing still. Scatting and running. Mm-hmm.
0: It's been one of those days. So, I need my friend Chris and Backer's podcast to raise me from my doldrums of horrible
1: day Well, it's time for Chris and Brian's podcast therapy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I'm going to wake up my daughter. She's not asleep yet. It's all right. It's late. I figured you'd be asleep. It's close. (laughs) I was getting a little anxious. I was like, where's, where's Chris? (laughs) Get over here. We got recording to do, boy. (laughs) Ain't you got no learning? (laughs) All right. Let's get in here. You got everything you
1: need? I've got a little bit of orange seltzer. That's what I'm working with tonight. Okay. And I'm ready to rock, man. I was just so. gorging
0: water, but I've already finished it. Now I gotta, I gotta survive on nothing. All right, so. but I am ready. Hello, and welcome to Backers, a fortnightly podcast where we explore the most compelling campaigns on Kickstarter and each pick a campaign to back. We are your hosts Brian Dupuis and Chris Rumph, and this week we are belatedly celebrating the royal nuptials with the theme fit for royalty. Hello, Chris.
1: Hi, Brian. <laughs> Are you still basking in the afterglow of the royal wedding? Are you so goodness, thrilled yes. for for Prince Harry and Meghan Markle? I am. Prince. How princess weird Meghan has Markle? that got to be?
0: Yeah, she's right. She's a princess.
1: She was bestowed some title. Like what is it? Du- I, I don't assume. know anything about. I don't know she anything has to about be a anything. Princess, right? She was a a duchess. Duchess now. She's not a princess. She's the Duchess of Sussex now.
0: Duchess of Sussex? Yes. Does that come with anything? Do you get like a...
1: You get a d- d- duchy? A duchy?
0: Yeah? Do you have serfs? You must. That's kind of cool. I. How weird must that be, though? Because she wasn't uh, any... She had no title before that, right? And then suddenly... Suddenly... I am titled, right? She's That's got to be really interesting.
1: American, we don't have titles. That's true. We can get
0: honorary titles. Is that correct? Can we get? Can we get sird? No, I don't think so. You can't. I, so all uh, the
1: sirs. My thesis is that you may not be knighted.
0: Sirs and what is it? Dame, dame, Siresses sir. Sirs. So they're all loyal subjects of the crown. I don't know. Maybe we should have done more homework for our royal episode uh, <laughs> before sitting down here and trying to kibitz about it. I don't know.
1: Perhaps. But yeah, that's
0: our theme, fit for royalty. We figured, Is Brienne uh, of
1: Tarth, is she a sir?
0: <laughs> no, she's titled, isn't she? she's she's a yeah she's a sir, right? I think she's a sir she was a sir is she's still alive she's still kicking right
1: um, oh well God
0: knows, who knows what's going on in-
1: Let me ask Google is Brianna of Tarth a sir Yes, she's a knight
0: she's an uh, anointed knight,
1: okay right <laughs> she was anointed <laughs> right I sure think they can, we no. don't know anything
0: no. We're having kind of a a bad start.
1: Maybe we should talk about crowdfunding where (laughs) we we know almost equally as
0: little. Let's leave this painful intro zone, (laughs) head into the random crowdfunding zone and escape. (laughs) (laughs) Eject. Eject. (laughs) That, That was my eject sound effect.
1: It was effective.
0: So what did you find this time for random crowdfunding stuff, bud?
1: We had some stuff, and I think we cut out some of it. So we're going to start with this article on Moneyish. It's a site I've never heard of before. Somehow I ended up here. (laughs) The the title of this article is Why Women Are More Likely to Get Funded on Kickstarter. Mm. Have you ever considered like, this idea? Admittedly, I hadn't. No. Yeah, I hadn't either. And this article was really interesting to me for for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. So I I thought it deserved a mention here. Sure. Um, The... The article comes at the behest, the research uh, that was done from the University of Indiana, as I recall. Indiana University. Yeah, don't mess them up. That's right. It's just like Maryland University is in Pennsylvania. Is that right? Anyways, that's a new Indiana University report. Yeah, basically said that women have an easier time on crowdfunding platforms Raising their goals than men do. Hmm. And th- it went on to say that they basically attribute this to the trustworthiness that people feel when they engage with women versus men.
0: Very interesting. Yeah. yeah it, it is.
1: They said that. Women-led crowdfunding campaigns are 32% more successful than male-led campaigns. So that's not even a small margin. That's not even single no. digits. 32%. That's yeah. a big swath.
0: And they pl- And the average pledge amount was higher, 5% higher for women-fronted campaigns than for men. Yep. That was interesting. I found it. The, the All of that was supremely interesting. The kicker was at the bottom where, I don't know if you got all the way down here however this is a direct quote women historically haven't been trusted to start successful businesses (laughs) so it's flying in the face of the traditional non-crowdfunding experiences of women trying to start businesses where they are more than more likely than their male investors or male counterparts to get denied or not be trusted to start a company it's Exactly the opposite. So I thought that was a pretty interesting spin or twist to this concept.
1: Yeah, but at the same time, historically, if a woman wants to start a business, they would have to go get funding from Mm -hmm. the traditional model where you have to go to a bank. Yep. And you're most likely going to be, right? Oh, yes. (laughs) Historically having to approach a man at a bank, and crowdfunding totally democratizes that whole process. Yeah. So...
0: Very, very interesting. Yeah. Crowdfunding the great equalizer.
1: The other thing was interesting, too, was they approached Paychex, the payroll and HR solutions provider, Mm. and they stated that they also note that women are seen as more trustworthy business owners than men. They throw this note particularly among younger millennial and Gen X generations. Mm. I don't know. Maybe they have demographics on that. That's interesting. But... They had a study they pointed to that said that people perceive women to lie less than men, hmm. and that when they do, the type of lies that they tell are different, where they, they kind of categorize the type of lies that women tell as, quote, other lies. So they are lies that benefit the person they are lying to, like saying, hey, you know, you look great, even if that person looks haggard. <laughs> Whereas men tend to tell self-facing lies that help themselves. So they'll tell lies where they take credit for like the like a project. Mm. Right? I just thought that was interesting, too. It is. Yeah. So anyways, this article we'll put in the show notes and it has links, you know, from the article out to all the studies and uh, supporting articles. So peruse it at your will. It's an interesting read and certainly opens up a lot of room for thought, I I think.
0: So whenever we... Our takeaway here is whenever we launch our Kickstarter campaign, we should have our wives drive it. Right. (laughs) We'll get more trustworthiness because... Although, I mean, we look pretty trustworthy. Okay. You look pretty trustworthy, I think.
1: Is it the glasses? I have glasses too. You do? Yeah. You just don't wear them all the time. You just have a,
0: a kind and trustworthy face mm, thank you yeah
1: very feminine
0: it's not feminine <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh. you, co- you coming on to me well you're a handsome man <laughs> i don't even know how to go from here <laughs> let's move on <laughs> to the next one man Whoa.
1: Mm. so we could put our kickstarter it's not a kickstarter we could put our next crowdsourcing project mm-hmm. on Flopstarter. yes you heard about this <laughs> flop, flop, Starter is a Kickstarter for really, really bad ideas. I just love the a
0: moleskin. I quote, moleskin notebook made from real skinned moles. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I have a life size picture of that hideous contraption. Yep, a line of vintage apparel made exclusive, exclusively from clothing people have died in. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so what we're talking about is flopstarter.com, which is a spoof, I, I would imagine, yeah. on Kickstarter, where there are currently 20 projects up that are just terrible ideas that would probably will probably never reach their funding goals. <laughs> Apparently, you can actually put real money behind these projects as well. But as I look through the website, there are currently, like I mentioned, 20 projects. They are all 0% funded. So, I think the backers are voting and are choosing not to put their money here on mm-hmm. things like the potato jacket, a jacket made with the texture and color of a jacket potatoes skin. Mm-hmm. hmm
0: I like the one at the top. I just saw it. The natural the nat- death beef. <laughs>
1: a beef range made from
0: cows that have either just died in their sleep or had a little tumble. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Vintage Food, a food market serving real people's leftovers in rustic paper boxes.
0: Oh, gosh. Yeah. Well, real or not, uh, it's entertaining. It's the Onion Meats (laughs)
1: Kickstarter, right? 15 Second Meals, a recipe book for meals you actually make, like buttered cold bread or cereal for lunch.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That's good. Yeah. I like it. Well, anything else? I think that's it for... The random yeah. crowdfunding stuff. Feels like We had a couple of things that maybe... Let's drop them in the show notes. I don't think either one of us really wanted to talk too much about them, but found it a little interesting, so we'll drop them in. But that was all, all we really wanted to talk about.
1: Yeah, I'll put in this Acorn Collective blockchain crowdfunding article.
0: Mm-hmm. I
1: just don't feel like I know enough to talk about that, but somehow there is this collective that is using blockchain technology to... Uh, basically federate or, again, democratize crowdsourcing rather than having it tied up in company entities like Kickstarter Mm, or Indiegogo. Yeah. Eh, okay. And then
0: I I found one, I guess I'll mention it too since you mentioned yours, uh, about yet another big tech campaign, crowdfunding campaign that failed in a big way and took the money and run essentially took uh, what was it three million a little over three million dollars and uh, it depends out- on uh,
1: <laughs> at what time period you looked at the article
0: right yeah took a little over three million dollars and produced what was it a grand total of about a hundred headphones that made it out to really early development level backers and that was all they could produce they burned through all the capital and uh, and that was it so we'll drop that in there too not not really worth a a deeper dive than that but yet another tale of caution Mm -hmm. for crowdfunding careful what you back so
1: i thought one thing that was interesting about that yeah i mean now we're talking about it but that um (laughs) like they did mention that the collapse of their company was due to not being able to acquire additional funding from outside investors. They Mm. basically needed another $2 million or something to be able to, to bring the entire project to light. Okay. And none of that was captured in the risks and challenges section of their Kickstarter Mm. campaign page. So is that something that crept up on them? $2 million or was that something that they knew that they would need in addition to the, you know, the, the the backers? It sounded like, so that sounds pretty disingenuous. (laughs)
0: Yeah. It sounds like another pyramid scheme like we mentioned last time, right? I need this first level of back of of capital to to I guess get things going. Then I need another set of capital in order to get the product I promised out to the first set of people and now I need a whole bigger set of capital in order to get the product out to the people that I promised before but
1: they did actually make product, though, and they delivered it to their first round of backers. Yeah, and apparently they were sitting on more. I don't know. Uh,
0: I don't know either.
1: I don't. Know. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> but anyhow, we'll drop that in the in the show notes. That is the OSIC 3D headphones. If you're interested in looking it up yourself,
1: <laughs> if you're keeping score.
0: So, departing the crowdfunding zone and moving steadily along into the Mentionable Zone.
1: I love that every time. I know.
0: It's entertaining for me. So uh, my first things that I'm going to mention are everyone has probably remembered that I have an unhealthy fascination with drones, and now I have a drone, and... I'm perfectly content with it, but I do every once in a while as I'm digging through campaigns to back, and this Fortnite was no exception with this theme, I happened across drone campaigns. And it's interesting to me because the technology and the price points and everything, the price points are getting lower for higher levels of technology. There's two of them this time, the Mark, the... World's first visual inertial odometry positioning drone, which I'm Ooh. not sure exactly what the buzzwords for that means, but it's it's a drone. Uh, and then the fairy drone, an ultra portable aerial photography drone. That that was the one that most interested me. The the that first one, their whole shtick is it doesn't have GPS built in. It is entirely vision-driven with a fisheye lens up front, and not even like my Mavic Air. It doesn't have visual sensors on the back and bottom. It literally just has that fisheye on the front, and it drives visually, which probably fine, great, and that's a $249 at this point. I I, I think the early bird price is $249, for that level of tech with a 4K camera and uh, you know everything else that you would expect from a visual-driven drone, impressive price point. This other one, the Fairy Drone, number one ultra portable. They say if you can take your phone with you, you can take the Fairy Drone because it folds down to about the size of your phone, and and it does look astoundingly small, but it has. A GPS chip it has a controller it has all the things that you would expect of an a semi-autonomous drone like this with the the smart types of camera options that the Mavic's give you like the pre the predefined like tracking and follow me and and the helix photo modes and all of that good stuff for $99, Chris, $99. That's
1: a crazy price point.
0: It's ludicrous. And uh, I'm, I'm interested primarily for that aspect of it. The amount of technology that they're packing into these things for these price points have got to exert overall pressure on the drone market. Unless they just fail to deliver. I guess that's an, a possibility. But I'm just... Aston- astonished by how much they're packing into these things for these prices.
1: Yeah. I mean, it seems like there's obviously this race to the bottom in pricing, but I'm a little bit worried. Y- you know, these companies aren't as mature as the big companies oh, like DJI. No. Yeah. And are they going to actually be able to deliver something that's actually quality, Yeah. that's going to last, that's going to be, you know, fun to pilot? Or yeah. even reliable. safe to pilot reliable. Yeah, exactly. Or is
0: it going to take off and fly into a tree on the first launch?
1: <laughs> I mean, yeah. If it if, if they're skimping on hardware and it can't acquire satellites, well, you know what happens. If you can't get all the satellites you need, you can just kind of wave goodbye to your drone.
0: <laughs> yeah. Although at a ninety nine dollar price point, you can buy a couple of backups, right?
1: That's true. They're like Kleenex. Just put them all in a box and <laughs> pull, pull the next one out. <laughs> Money bags. But it is interesting. Uh Yeah, 1080p camera in this thing. Of yeah. course, I'm sure they're skimping on the camera. Yep. But the portability, it looks like it has a, a similar folding mechanism that your drone does.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Folds down. Both of these I, drones, very reminiscent of DJI products. And I'm sure there's there's some... I won't say ip theft but they're definitely taking obvious distinct nods to those formulas because they work right yep
1: and the, the one thing that's interesting is the 140 gram weight with it mm-hmm. which they say that there's no faa re- registration needed that does fall under it so that's really interesting too
0: yep maybe i should back it chris
1: <laughs> i'm a little tempted i could
0: i could take that at the jordan lake nobody would even know
1: but then again, you know, we're already talking about the downward pressure at, at price that these drones are kind of putting on the market. It's not going to be long before you're just going to see these knockoffs all over Amazon, right? Yeah. <laughs> just the influx of Chinese drones for 50 to to
0: $100. You're telling me I should wait?
1: I think you should wait. Okay. I've already got one. What am I even talking about? But this one does, this one fits in your pocket. I guess the one you have fits pretty much in your pocket pocket. too.
0: Yeah. So, anyhow, I thought that was worth mentioning. What you got, man?
1: The first one I have up this week is the Pico You Brew Everything. Mm -hmm. So I put this one in here. Pico is Pico Brew is a company that has been around for a while. Has certainly had a number of successes on Kickstarter, and they create these countertop beer-brewing systems. Mm -hmm. The Pico... uh, was, I think the Pico... The Pico C, and now the Pico U. The the catch for this Pico U is that it can brew everything. So not just craft beer anymore, but this single appliance, again, that's a countertop appliance, they say can craft coffee, tea, even kombucha, and then things like soda and other kind of drinks, energy drinks, health drinks, etc., which seems pretty ambitious, really interesting. <laughs> it's like a mm-hmm. coffee maker.
0: That the will pro- make beer.
1: Yeah, that makes beer and other things. The price point's really not bad either, honestly. No, I was the, very surprised. The basic unit's $179. And then looking down, there's a deluxe package for $20 more at 199 that adds in addition to just the unit along with the, the filters and different attachments gives you a brew keg if you want to be able to brew beer with it as well. Hmm. So basically it's really small scale brewing. And the, the neat thing is on their website, they sell these brew packs. So rather than like a traditional home brewer, at least when it comes to beer brewing, where you'll go to your maybe local home brew supply shop and put together your own grain bill and then crush the grain Here, what you do is you go directly to Pico's website, and you select from a number of different already configured brew packs, and they work with many breweries across the country to take their recipes and put them into these brew packs. So Mm -hmm. you can brew a clone of a popular beer right at home if you should choose. So that's really interesting. It is.
0: Have they announced what the pricing of the
1: packs will be? I didn't see them here. But considering that the packs uh, are already in use with previous Pico systems, Uh. like that whole distribution system is already up and running. Hmm. Okay. I looked at it when the Pico C, maybe it was, was, that was maybe a year or two ago, came on the market because I thought here would be an interesting way to stay doing some home brewing but not have to work with the big fiddly banjo burner and... (laughs) you know brewing 5 gallon batches you could brew smaller i guess these are like 1 or 2 gallon sized batches in a much easier way but i i recall when i was looking at it it was at the you know the price point was such that it just starts to i just started to wonder is it really worth it you're you're mm-hmm. not really saving money by doing this no so then it's kind of like well you it would know, be why? novel though right It would be. I guess I just, you know, I've done home brewing, and there's novelty in that as well. But there's just so much good craft beer out there these days. You you go to any bottle shop, and you're just overwhelmed by the choices. And so kind of standing in the face of that much selection with (laughs) good, you know, mass, well, in some cases, small batch or or mass-produced beer, you know, brewing at home... I think it's really interesting to do and you understand the process, but at the end of the day, you do it kind of for the love of the process, not for trying to save money. Mm. You know why I would do it? Why is that?
0: Because that mole beer that I got that one time, I think it's in New Belgium, maybe in, yeah, New Belgium. And I've never found it again. If Mm. I could find a, a way to make that recipe in this thing, it'd be worth $179 <laughs> to me. I would drink nothing else.
1: Yeah. That's the cool thing about brewing at home is you do get an opportunity to add different kind of adjuncts or spices, mm-hmm. tr- you know, try and make something that you can't buy at the store. But then again, you risk like creating five <laughs> gallons of a batch. It's just, yeah. Like <laughs> yeah. prison <I'd>... toilet hooch. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I have I've, made I've one had some batch beers, of beer in my past. Like I've had some I beers that I thought were, you know, I brewed at home that I were like this is pretty good, you know. Mm-hmm. I think if I served this to somebody in a glass, they wouldn't know like they would you know, what what brewery did you buy this from? It's like, well I made it at home. Oh. But I have certainly made some beers as well that um <laughs>
0: <laughs> that you wouldn't feed to to farm animals. Yeah. yeah. That was me. You, Oh, I made the worst porter ever.
1: Do farm animals drink beer? Mm. Oh, you did. You brewed a beer. I forgot.
0: I did. It was so terrible. (laughs) (laughs) It it soured me on it. Hey, it was a sour beer. I could have sold it. You should have sold it to me. I could have sold it to you. If only I would known you back then. I don't don't even know if you were born that yet. (laughs) If
1: I was born (laughs)
0: yet. All right.
1: I'm like, what, three years younger than you?
0: Five uh, years? No, you're way more than three years younger than me. So my second mentionable, and I'm gonna mention this this one before the other one, but you saw this one. I showed you this and you were like, Oh, how delightful they're gonna get <laughs> they're gonna get sued out of existence. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> this is the uh the name of it. And let's see if it's even still up. Maybe it's it, already gone. It is up. It's still there. It's funded. What yes. do you know? With 27 days to go, it's funded, Chris.
1: It is not hard to see why this is funded.
0: Yeah, it looks very popular. It's got name recognition. It does. This is the MCU, which is, for those of you not in the know, is the Marvel Cinematic Universe Avengers Enamel Pins. Chris, we could get Avengers Enamel Pins. They have the likenesses of of Loki, and they've got uh, Star-Lord and uh, Rocket. They've got, who is that? Is that Spider-Man? Spider-Man, they've got Iron Man, they've got Captain America, and the Hulk, and they've got Thor, right?
1: They do. They look great. They look great, I love all these characters.
0: Yeah, and you can tell they're who they're meant to be. The likenesses are, are, I mean, they're cutesy, but they're well done, and identifiable, and recognizable. So, I was very tempted to jump in on this, my first enamel pin campaign, but... Like my friend Chris here <laughs> was like, <lying. laughs> "Oh yeah, Disney slash Marvel's lawyers are gonna jump on them." Mo Ricky Tick here. I'm really amazed that this is still up.
1: Yeah. So their goal is two thousand one hundred sixty-six dollars. Mm-hmm. That was their goal to bring this project to be. I can't imagine that even covers <laughs> the cost that would be needed for licensing from from Disney. To get the rights to these characters. To
0: any of them. You now, can that even get said, the rights to I'm
1: not a patent Hawkeye. lawyer. I'm not a whatever, copyright lawyer. But I was just trying, when we started talking about it, I was remembering, mm. now this is a long time ago, but when I was in elementary school, or maybe middle school, I remember there was an elementary school in my hometown that had like a mural using some of the disney characters and from what i understand they got a cease and desist from disney to to have to repaint the the mural Mm -hmm. for a middle school in the middle of nowhere south carolina somehow you know disney felt a presence they were like hmm there's a disturbance (laughs) somebody is using our brand without our permission i feel it so Yeah. yeah and and they used the names too, right? Mm-hmm. When you look at the pledge levels, it's choice of Iron Man, Spider-Man. <laughs> they didn't hyphenate Spider-Man, so maybe they get away with that uh, one. Loki or Thor, Steve, Groot. Yeah, I mean, these are the names of the Avengers. Yep.
0: <laughs> well, I, you know what? I'm going to favorite it so I can I'm going to I'm going to keep an eye on it. I want to make <laughs> sure that it's still around whenever it's about to close. It's got 27 days to go. So, who you knows? should back
1: it just so you can be indignant whenever it does get pulled. What
0: are you talking about it got pulled? How dare this you? This is unconscionable. I like how it's not even in the risks and challenges. There's no mention of any any possible problems.
1: Maybe things work different in Singapore.
0: I'm sure things work different in Singapore.
1: but well, this, is, uh, <laughs> this is just a
0: wink and a nod. Hmm. I like how it isn't even mentioned in any of the comments. Like nobody's... Nobody's like, uh, hey, buddy, you know, if you want an MCU Avengers pin, <laughs> now's your chance. Maybe. <laughs> what else you got?
1: Yes, please. Yes, yes please. 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 Great coffee should be for everyone. This is it a project should. by Tonks. I think you saw this one as well. We talked about it a little bit, maybe. Yeah. Over coffee, yeah. I think. Tonks is a well-respected website that distributes freshly Uh, roasted coffee all around the United States, and they have gone to create this project that is to create a blend of coffee that they can do so at a pretty low price point. Mm. So you can get quality, 12 ounces of fresh roasted coffee delivered to your doorstep. Okay. I thought that was interesting, but at the same time, what what's the price? Like twenty dollars for twelve ounces of coffee.
0: Mm-hmm. Although if you get the if you get the thirty dollar level, you essentially get two of them. So then, it's yeah, fifteen
1: dollars. $15. Still, that's fifteen dollars for twelve ounces. Yep. If you have a good quality roaster in your hometown, which a lot of people do, especially if you're near a larger city, mm-hmm. I don't know why you would do this.
0: No, you know I support don't
1: support your local roaster.
0: Yeah. That was that was the big thing for me. Uh, I this one got forwarded to me too and I I took a look and that was my first thing. Although with shipping included because you know our our local roaster that we buy from his prices for 12 ounces for retail is about the same. It's about 14.99. Right. If you order from him though, you're going to pay shipping which is included with with this. So there is a little bit of a Of a benefit there if you're going to have it shipped. Now, you can go into most stores and get it without shipping, but that's that's beside the point. The other thing that I found a little cagey about it is it's it's a mix, right? It's a blend of beans that they want to blend together. To my mind, perhaps cynically, that means (laughs) we're going to throw whatever we can get inexpensively together that doesn't taste like complete crap so that people don't drop us immediately. You know what I mean? I, I it's do. Not, it, yeah. It's because like I'm used to our roaster that advertises blends as well, but normally you get an idea of what that blend is. You There's either a distinct region that the blend comes from, or there's particular varietals that it comes from. Uh, this... Just feels like a way to give you whatever the heck they want for fifteen bucks per twelve ounces, right? So maybe that's cynical of me, uh, but <laughs> it hasn't it's, served it's, me. It's, it's hard not yet. to put,
1: yeah, to, to let your mind run to those <laughs> those corners. But I, I do think, like I said, since I've known about Tonks for a long time, and they do have a pretty great reputation amongst. This sort of mail order, fresh roast delivered to your house Mm -hmm. stuff, I I do feel like they have a reputation to uphold, and they're not going to turn out just total swill. Okay, that's fair. But like I said, for at least the scenario that I'm in that we're in, where we have a great roaster, we have several great roasters nearby, and you can pick up their coffee locally for about this price. It just doesn't make sense. You know, even before you factor in, like, the carbon footprint of shipping coffee around again, (laughs) right? Yeah. All over the the country. But then again, like I said, if I was living out in the middle of nowhere, wanted some great coffee, maybe this would be the solution. So, I guess check it out and make up your own mind.
0: Well, yeah, that's a good one. So, my final mentionable uh, is one that I almost backed for Fit for Royalty. This is the Sports Hack. Sports hacks bag. It's the most functional sports bag
1: ever. Did you see this one? I did. It's German. You know the Germans make good stuff.
0: German. This is their first campaign. This is essentially a football, not American football, but soccer, right? A football bag. Primarily, they designed it. These guys are very much about soccer slash football. And this is mostly for that purpose. Uh, But it is a sports bag. And it has a lot of fantastic features on it from little mesh pockets that are easily accessible for putting your keys and wallet and phone in. It's got hooks for your keys to hang off of. It has a detachable shoe case so that you can put your shoes in this and, and put it in there. They have their own separate places for up to three pairs of shoes that I saw. They have <laughs> yeah. a included laundry but, bag. that's called is Boots, both, Brian. Oh, sorry. Well, it says shoe on the thing. so uh-huh. that, um,
1: maybe, maybe there's a Boots in the UK. <laughs>
0: There's a laundry bag that is supposedly uh, smell proof and waterproof, so that whenever you're done, you can put your stuff in that. It's got like a bottle holder. Uh, They call it a black roll, and I don't know if that's different from a bottle, but I'm going to call it a bottle holder. Lots of really cool stuff. And both you and I bring our clothes to work, workout clothes to work every day in order to work out. And uh, mine is serviceable but there are little things that could be improved i feel like this bag improved on most of them and i was very tempted i think the main reason i didn't back it uh wasn't the price this time because the the price is on par with other quality workout bags it's uh, what is it 99 euros i guess about 115 bucks yep uh, which gets you the sports tax bag and the and the dirty bag, uh, but it was primarily the size of it. I felt like I felt like it was a little bigger than what I would be looking for for something like this. Like I have my little gym bag, but this one is a pretty good size backpack form factor that that wasn't exactly what I was looking for. But even so, I came really close, and and I figure it's fit for royalty because. You know, soccer is big in Europe and in England, and I'm sure that the Royals watched a whole lot of soccer, and <laughs> and that was my connection. So, well, I think it's interesting, but I I didn't do it.
1: Yeah, I echo that about the size. When I first looked at the project, I started scrolling down, and I was like, okay, there's the bag. It looks pretty sleek. And then I scrolled down to the picture where the guy has it on his back, mm-hmm. and I was like, Whoa! You could carry a body in that It's like a teenage mutant ninja turtle shell
0: Yeah So Yeah That was my big thing But I I think it's an impressive piece of kit Yeah So it's 70 centimeters long What is that in American units?
1: I don't know Like 12 feet? 15 feet? Yeah Yeah Okay (laughs) Silly metric system
0: I just don't know (laughs) Silly American system We're the Uh, the goofy ones It's uh, us in what? Antigua?
1: Who's the other one? I forget. Uh, yeah, it's... us Yeah, maybe. Us and, know. yeah, some other fantastic Very world tiny- power. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so. Yeah, it's pretty ridiculous that we are holding on to the imperial system over here. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, fit for royalty.
1: Uh, yes. <laughs> uh, so that's my last mentionable. But they're funded. I don't know if you noticed that. Oh, goodness, yes. Yep. They had a $29,000 goal. They're at 33417 yep. I could have had one. And still 27 days to go. This project wraps up on Thursday, June 28th.
0: Mm-hmm. Could have had one. So what mm-hmm. else you got, my friend?
1: I don't think it's really worth touching on, but I, I just wanted to highlight this shirts for men under 5'10". <laughs> <laughs> okay. This one just spoke to me because this project, uh, shirts for men under five ten, and the product or the cat uh, the company name is under five ten too I believe the average male height in America is five foot ten, and yet there are people that lie outside of that range they're that shorter myself included the project creator is five foot seven, which mm-hmm. echo you know resonated with me since that is also my diminutive height and uh he just was trying to address the issue of shirt sizes for men that are less than average height with this campaign so that's kind of interesting so there'll be a link to that if you are also under 510 and want a high quality shirt that the sleeves aren't ridiculously long and the (laughs) shirt tail doesn't drag to your knees then take a look at this (laughs) Mm Hmm. yeah so that one i just was like oh wow it's a project for me and the one that I almost, I'm not going to say almost backed, because there really wasn't a chance that I was going to back another fountain pen this week, but the Cosmos Inc. Magnetic Fountain Pen by Stillform. I just thought yes. this was a really sleek, kind of luxurious, I could have easily seen this playing against fit for royalty uh, as our topic this, this fortnight. Did you get a chance to see this pen? Oh, yes. Man, this I pen, saw
0: it. I thought of you. I was like,
1: ooh, this is going to be tempting to Chris. It's just this gorgeous
0: mm-hmm.
1: fountain pen. Again, a very minimalist design, almost similar in some ways to the pen that I backed from Studio Neat. Mm-hmm. They have this neat cap mechanism with this pen. It uses magnets to secure the cap. And this pen, rather than being completely cylindrical has one side of the pin that is machined flat so it won't roll away. And then the magnets are aligned with the correct polarity such that if you were to slide the cap onto the pin, no matter which orientation you drop it onto the the barrel there, the cap will swivel around and click into just the right position. Mm. and I love this gif that they show where it's fun to fidget where the guy's using his thumb to twist the cap slightly and then release it and it keeps getting like (laughs) snapped back by magnetic forces and I just, I love that too love playing with magnets, you know, you just feel them Mm -hmm. click, you feel that resistance, so I thought that was really neat, and honestly the price is not bad at all for these, the beginning pledges start at 59 euros, Mm -hmm. which is about $69, $70 6970 dollars us if you want to get on the early early bird uh, aluminum pin these are aluminum as well so they look cool they look like they're made of high quality materials
0: yeah they're super attractive
1: and I think the backer community has s- spoken loudly in support of this as well. <laughs> They only were trying to raise eleven thousand five hundred and forty nine dollars they're currently at one hundred and nineteen thousand nine hundred and twenty eight dollars still with thirty one days to go uh this project wraps up on Monday July second so there's still plenty of opportunity to get in on this
0: yeah, I like it yeah it's tempting actually
1: I'm not even a pen guy
0: and I'm tempted
1: it looks i don't know it looks really great. The other thing that was kind of holding me back was. Yes, I lust after (laughs) pins and I don't have a huge collection, but the Triangle Pin Show is actually here in Raleigh, North Carolina this weekend. And I wanted to keep a little, uh, you know, a little spending money money in my pocket. (laughs) So when I go to the show, maybe if I see something that catches my eye, I'll uh, rescue something from the pin show and take it home. And if not, you get back this. That's true. There's still plenty of time. If nothing there catches my eye. Yeah, don't settle. All right. Thanks, Brian. I didn't even consider that. But there it is, just right there in front of me.
0: Uh Uh-huh. When are they looking to deliver? Oh, November. Okay.
1: Fair enough. So is that it for the Mentionable Zone? I think we got through it all.
0: I think we did. Are you prepared, Chris, to discuss the things that were fit for royalty
1: I feel like we need some sort of um, trump trumpetry, trump trumpeting, some kind of sort of fanfare. <laughs>
2: is, that, is that ours? That's ours, right? Or is it universal? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh.
0: <laughs> no? <laughs> yes. Okay. yeah. So let's head into the back zone. And I guess I'll start us off. All right. So my pick for the theme of Fit for Royalty.
1: <laughs> I was blown away by this, Brian. <laughs> is
0: Black Forest Studios infected the carrier, an expansion and second printing Tabletop game, you get it. Fit for royalty.
1: I, I see it. I, I the carrier. See
0: Do you? Uh-huh. Our listeners might not. So, the conceit for this game is the plague doctor has risen from the ashes to infect again. A secret identity social deduction tabletop card game with dice and miniature, and it is a game based on the bubonic plague. There's the plague doctor. That visited, promising to help. And there is the, the the way the gameplay works is it's a it's one of those ones where one of the participants is the plague doctor, and it's up to the rest of the participants to guess who the plague doctor is. And then it plays out in various ways. It's a very fast game. Supposedly, it only takes about ten minutes to play. Uh, and and this is a an expansion on the original Infected game that they had a very successful Kickstarter for. This is the Carrier expansion. Uh, I'm not 100% sure what the dividing line between the gameplay of the original Infected game and the Carrier is. I think uh, I think there are some subtle differences to the expansion that enables ex- expanding the gameplay in certain ways, but it f- Like I said, very fast, expandable from five to six people up to 12 if you have two copies of the game. The only drawback that I've heard from people in the comments is that the original, the setup time was actually often as long as the actual gameplay, and so they were trying to ask whether they had done anything to address that limitation in the expansion or in the Play book rules or anything like that, and Black force games had talked about you know you can set up you can do the essentially defer the setup to beforehand so the the person that is inviting people to play would set up hands beforehand that could then be used and quicken the whole setup process but I thought first, the art style really mm-hmm. luscious and wonderful. All of the pieces look very professional. It's got a miniature that is extremely attractive. The dice are are unique. And the gameplay is simple. And yet, seems like it could be very fun to play with varying sized crowds. So, yeah. So, my Fit for Royalty connection, you know, it's based on the Bubonic Plague. Middle Ages, Medieval Times, Royalty got... Infected. They also, I went and looked at how the bubonic plague had infected royalty just to make sure I (laughs) I could actually claim a link. and, And yeah, we lost some royalty. And supposedly the entire Belgian royalty disappeared due to the bubonic plague, not because they died from it, but because of the social changes that the bubonic plague brought to the country. Like, landed royalty didn't have enough subjects to remain royal and work the farms so that they actually had to go back to farming and didn't become royalty again and were subsumed by neighboring countries. And so that entire class of royalty disappeared because of the bubonic plague. Oh, that's fascinating. Yes. So that is my fit for royalty pick, and that's why I picked it. That's. Do you get a chance to look at at some of the the artwork
1: and the cards and stuff? Isn't it lovely? Yeah, I thought the artwork was. I mean, it's second to none. It's really top quality stuff. I did go to Board Game Geek too and looked at sort of what people thought, and I found the same thing that you did was just people mentioning that the setup time was mm. really the only drag, and I didn't know much I didn't about. Think the- to go to. Board Game Geek, doggone it. Yeah, pretty much for all the tabletop games, I'll always go to Board Game Geek and see if anybody's talking about the games or not, because sometimes you smart. even games early on in Kickstarter will have a chance to go to different conventions or stuff and, and drum up interest in the game. And sometimes sure. people that get exposed to even pre-release copies of the game will go on Kickstarter and start talking about their experiences. Right. Oh, I'm sorry, go on Board Game Geek and start talking about their experiences. So it sounds very much like you mentioned it's a social deduction game. Mm-hmm. It made me think of games like Coup or Avalon or right, right yep. uh, Mafia, Vampire, Werewolf, whatever, Those all those games. And those are a lot of fun, especially in... I kind of, I think mixed gaming company too, yeah, Yeah, like kind of party games, they're sort of games that if you can get people into them very quickly and you have all that social intrigue, it gives people something to talk about and this shared experience to to be a part of and yeah, it can be a lot of fun. Yep, yep, yep. So where did you pledge? Did you get the, I guess you had to get the full game and the expansion?
0: I did. I did. I backed at the $25 level. I got the full game and carrier expansion. So, yeah, this is scheduled to deliver in November if they get backed, and I'm not sure if they're going to make their goal. I mean, they've got a pretty big lofty goal of $3,400, and they're only at 15000 <laughs> So, yeah, they're comfortably going to fund. As I was uh, just
1: sitting here looking at the page, it went from 710 backers to 711.
0: Sweet! So this one, you've got 21 days to go. Plenty of time to get in. This ends on Friday, June 22nd. And again, you can get in at the $25 level to get both of them. If you just want the expansion, if you already have infected, you can just pledge $10 to get the expansion. But yeah, I'm liking my game stuff, man.
1: That's cool, man.
0: I'll have to play with you sometime. So what did you get, Chris, for Fit for Royalty?
1: I also took a dive into the tabletop category. Mm. So I mentioned last week that I was beginning to stock my dungeon mastering armory with new adventuring (laughs) source material. Yes. So this week, I am continuing to add to it with yet another module. I backed the Maximum Mayhem Dungeons, number five, Palace of the Dragon's Princess. And I think right there (gasps) in the title, you already see... How it has the Chris, fit for royalty. You
0: sneaky boy.
1: Yep. So this is by Mark Taormino. Taormino. Taormino?
0: Taormino.
1: Mark Taormino.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And yeah, I was kind of hesitant to go and back another campaign that was for more RPG materials. You know, it was so similar to last episode's thing that I backed that was the Book of Dark Secrets. I was kind of trying to think through this reason through it, and I had two things that kind of came to my mind in defense of my actions here. Okay. So the first was that this certainly fits the theme of the week or the fortnight you without me having to well. make any sort of just selfish mental <laughs> contortions so that I could back another fountain pen, because that option was available, <laughs> right?
0: I would have even granted it to you, man.
1: <laughs> A fountain pen every week. Yeah. Uh, and then I guess, too, I was feeling a little guilty last time about the Book of Dark Secrets because I kind of said that it closed before we released our episode, that mm. the project closed up before we did. Right. And this time around, this project campaign is still open for a little over a week, so there's still time for listeners to glom on should, should you find it appealing to you. So this closes on Sunday, June 10th. And currently they've met their goal, so there's at least not <laughs> yeah. risk in it uh not hitting hitting the goal they only needed five hundred dollars. They're currently at ten thousand dollars nine hundred and eighty four with hundred and seventy six backers and I think in terms of risk, this is their Fifth rodeo, I think, here on Kickstarter. This being the number five issue of a module for Maximum Mayhem. Maximum Mayhem. That's a lot of alliter- alliteration. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Maximum Mayhem. Uh, so I really think this is going to be a thing, and I'm pretty excited. So the the concept around this, it's an adventure that's for characters in your role playing system that are levels eight to twelve. So, Brian, it's going to be a while before our fledgling little D&D party (laughs) is going to be able to to tackle this kind of source material. I'm hopeful we'll get there, right? Yeah. Even so, I actually like reading RPG modules, so I've (laughs) got several. So, I mean, it's just neat to see see the stories. Yep. So, and you know, I'm really interested. So I'm just going to read really quickly here the kind of setup for this this module. It says, Once upon a time, the kingdom of Thorin Vale was prosperous and benevolent, but fell on dark times with the death of the king. A new hope was rising, as his only daughter, the princess, was set to marry the king's bravest royal knight, restoring restoring the kingdom to ultimate power. However, on the wedding day... The evil dragon Malthesto attacked Mm. the castle by surprise and swiftly took control. The serpent drove everyone out and took the princess captive in the caverns below, wickedly enchanting the palace. The groom went in with a party of rescuers to save her but never returned. Riches (sighs) beyond your wildest imagination will be gained for the ones who save the fair maiden. Defeat the wicked beast and return alive from the palace of the dragon's princess.
0: The palace of the dragon's princess.
1: I mean, really, this is a very classic story, right? King, <laughs> king dies, dragon moves in, dragon kidnaps the princess, mm-hmm. and a hero or heroes have to come to her rescue. It's the damsel in distress sort of mm. thing. So I'm really interested to see what kind of spin they they put on this. Mm-hmm. I, I think they have a history of putting unique kind of spins on their material. And Do I, they
0: play it straight, or is it... I don't is know. It, is there whimsy? Is there... Because th- you could almost argue that it kind of
1: calls
0: for whimsy. It just feels a little too
1: classic, and I, I know what you mean. But then mm-hmm. again, it's a it's a pretty tried and true formula. I mean, it worked okay. for Star Wars back in 1977, and nobody complained. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really, if you like shape the Death Star as a castle and Darth Vader as a dragon, you have the exact same story. <laughs> so,
0: oh, what have you done to my brain now? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Chris, I love how much preparedness you're doing for this.
1: Really? I do.
0: It makes me happy. Hmm. Thank
1: you. Yeah, it's going to be fun. So, where how did you uh, what level did you pack it? Oh, I came in just for the So they do have multiple different versions. They have the PDF module and then they have the module as both a PDF and a soft cover module. So, from the classic days of buying D&D modules, you could buy these Gosh, how how many pages are these? Like 30 pages Uh maybe? Hmm. Like just a quick little adventure that comes in a removable cover that has maps of the encounters inside of it. And so you can get that. And then they also have these everything sets or these box sets that include not just this number five module that they have up in this project, but in addition to that, their previous modules, one through four Cooked, you know, baked into the box set, as well as some custom dice and character sheets and some other fun stuff. I didn't mm. go all the way down to the box set levels. I just came in. Really, I just came in at the PDF module level. I didn't know if I and I and I may bump it up to the to the soft cover module. Mm. But in times past, when I've been DMing, I've been doing more and more from either an iPad or a or a computer oh, or a laptop. Okay. So. Right. I didn't know if I would get the utility out of the the printed version, how we've progressed I know <laughs> but and the art artwork's great too. the artwork is really old classic style it as is. well so it's it's fun stuff.
0: It could have come from <laughs> the monster manual that I got in like the seventies,
1: yep, and when I talk about like the old kind of seventies eighties d and d art style, it's this very heavy pen and ink. Mm-hmm. Very black and white art.
0: Shout out Thank to Thank you, guys. Chris. You do love us. hmm <laughs> Well, that is fit for royalty. We got through it. We got through it. We escaped our awkward beginning. <laughs> I don't even remember it now. I'm going to be embarrassed when I go back to play it back. So, our theme for next time, Chris...
1: We did choose one. We did. We chose school's out for summer.
2: School's
1: out for summer schools <laughs> Eh? It's fitting.
0: Yeah. Here we because are. Because by the, end the time we meet again, school will be out, summer vacation you know, for non working stiffs anyway. That's right. What will we come up with then? I have I have ideas.
1: Oh, you do already? Oh, yeah. I got nothing.
0: I have ideas.
1: I think that's a first. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. Mm-hmm. See you back here in two weeks, and we'll uh, talk about summer.
0: Yeah, baby. Take us home, my friend.
1: All right, man. You got it. That's all our time for today. Thank you so much for listening and supporting the show. Backers is produced by Chris Rumpf and Brian Dupuy. You can find the show notes for this episode and our previous episodes at our website, backerspodcast.com. You can contact us on Twitter at, at Backerspodcast or individually at Rumphy and at Cold Forge. Join us again next time where our theme will be School's out for summer!
0: Dun, 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 dun.
1: And until then, back responsibly.